Yo, today's QOD is just because you have a thought doesn't mean that it's true. Here we go. the day show i'm your host sean croxton of seancroxton.com we got marcy shimoff on the show wrapping up the week and today marcy is talking about something that all of us want which is more happiness but what exactly is happiness do you need something in order to become happy like what are the myths what are the truths about happiness and so what marcy did is she interviewed 100 of the happiest people she can find. And in this clip, she's going to tell you what she learned. Marcy Shimoff is coming up. Now, let me just give you a little bit of a backstory here about why I decided to write a book on happiness. I've spent 25 years of my career teaching success principles, teaching the law of attraction. But the reason I decided to write a book on happiness, and actually it was the first question Harv asked me when he saw me tonight, was because of this person. Now, how many of you know who this person is? Who is that? God, you guys are psychic. Did you meet him? This is my dad. His name's Mark. Say hi to Mark. He passed away last uh, two years ago on Valentine's Day. But, oh, he's totally right here, let me tell you. He is here now. He was my first happy-for-no-reason role model. My dad, he was an amazing man. See, he even gets applause when he's dead, you know? It's that kind of guy. He woke up every morning of his life with a smile on his face. He was, it didn't matter what was going on, he was just happy to be alive. I, on the other hand, did not win the happiness jackpot at birth. I came out of the womb with existential angst. While all the other kids were watching Romper Room, I was the five-year-old, the brooding five-year-old in the corner worrying about the condition of the world. So when I was about 19, I was driving down the road with my dad, and I looked at him and I said, Dad, what's your best advice for life? And he looked at me, and he said four words. And these are the four words. He said, honey, just be happy. At which point I threw my arms in the air and I said, that's easy for you to say, dad, you are just happy anyway. What do I do? He looked at me and he said four more words. He said, honey, I don't know. (laughs) That was 30 years ago. And I have spent those 30 years to answer that question of how do I become happy? And the great mystery of life, I have interviewed all of the top experts in the field of positive psychology, neuroscientists, and I actually, this is between us, they weren't all that happy. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why I decided to actually go straight to the horse's mouth and interview the people who really were living what I was talking about, this state of happy for no reason. 
And at first, I have to tell you, it wasn't all that easy to find them. I would ask people, who's the happiest person you know? And they'd say, oh, John, he's the happiest person we know. And then they'd think, you know what? He's the most successful, but he's not really happy. And it took a while, but I found these happy hundred. And the reason that I call this happy for no reason is that most people are out there trying to accumulate all of the things in life that they think will make them happy, the things and the circumstances that they think will make them happy. We live in a society of where I call, we have two myths, the myth of more, the more I have, the happier I'll be, and the myth of I'll be happy when. I'll be happy when I get a raise. I'll be happy when I find the right partner. And the ever popular, I'll be happy when I lose 20 pounds. <laughs> Those have been found scientifically to be myths. The research shows that over the poverty line, once you're over the poverty line, and that is everybody here in this room, there is no difference in happiness level based on income. In fact, 40% of the Forbes wealthiest 100 people are unhappier than the average American. It's also been found that we have a faulty ability to assess what's going to make us happy in the future. Um, Daniel Gilbert is a uh, Harvard psychologist who's written a book called Stumbling on Happiness, and he says we cannot determine how we're going to feel in the future based on a particular event, and it, we're never quite as happy as we think. And once a great thing happens, I mean, I have to tell you, Wednesday, I was high as a kite, but then you get acclimated, and you know what it's going to take next week to make me happy? Number one. So that's why happy for good reason, what I, what I call happy for good reason, is fine, but it's not lasting. It's not the real deal. We're here for the real deal, the whole enchilada, the I, happy for no reason, which I define as this. Happy for no reason is a neurophysiological state of peace and well-being that doesn't depend on circumstances. That's the key. And it's actually in the brain. It's in the body. Now, here's the coolest thing that, I, that I, they have found about happiness. And that is that we all have a happiness set point. And what that means is that no matter what happens to us, we hover around the same happiness level unless we do something consciously to change it. So they found that people who won the lottery, which, you know, we all think, oh, that's the golden ticket to happiness. People who've won the lottery within one year, they have returned to their original happiness level. The same is true of paraplegics. Within one year, they have actually also returned to their original happiness level. So it's not the outside stuff. The, the happiness set point is based on three things. It's 50% genetic. You're born with it. It's only 10% circumstantial. That's the things. And it's 40% based on your habits of thoughts, behaviors, feelings, what we're here talking about. That's the part that we can do something about. So it's just like you can raise the thermostat at home to get warmer on a cold day. You can actually raise your happiness set point to become happier. And it, you don't have to become thinner or richer or smarter to do it. That's amazing. I mean... <clears throat> so we have had it, and I say this in the secret... We have it backwards in our society. We think that success is going to bring us happiness, but in fact, it's happiness that brings us success. Here are some of the fringe benefits of happiness. People who are happier 
are 35% less likely to get sick. They live seven years longer. They have better relationships. They are more successful and they make more money. They make almost a million dollars more in their lifetime. So the fringe benefits are there, but we're going about it backwards. In fact, uh, Albert Schweitzer has this beautiful saying, the one that I said in The Secret. I actually didn't know that I was quoting him in The Secret. It says, success is not the key to happiness. Happiness is the key to success. So I distill down, as I mentioned to you, these five core principles, or 21 core principles of happiness habits. And I'm going to share with you five of them tonight. The first happiness habit of happy people. Oh, first my little cartoon here. It says, all I want is a chance to prove that money can't make me happy. <laughs> You've been there, right? These are two dogs. One of them says, I've got the bowl, the bone, the big yard. I know I should be happy. <laughs> so happiness habit number one. Don't believe everything you think. Now, how many of you talk to yourselves during the day? Let me just see a show of hands here. Okay, those of you who aren't raising your hands or saying to yourself, I don't know, do I think to myself? Maybe I do. We all think to ourselves all day long. They're called thoughts. And if you saw the secret, you'll know the answer to this question. On average, how many thoughts does the person have in a day? Sorry. You listened carefully. We have 60,000 thoughts a day. I was actually giving a talk one time to a room full of truck drivers. They were all men. I was the only woman in the room. I asked them the same, there were about uh, five or 600 of them. I asked them the same question. How many thoughts a day do you have? They looked at me and they said, oh Marcy, that is a simple question to answer. We have only one thought a day. I said, no, no, no. You have 60,000 thoughts a day. It's just that they're all about one thing. <laughs> they said, you got our number. Now, for the average person, what percent, or for all of us, what percentage of our thoughts today are the same thoughts that we had yesterday and the day before? 99. Oh, you guys know this. 95% of our thoughts are the same thoughts today as we had yesterday and the day before. I'm going to prove this to you. If you've done this before, please do not participate. I'd like you to spell out loud with me the word silk. S-I-L-K. Say silk three times. Silk, silk, silk. What do cows drink? Do cows drink milk? You have strange cows where you are. Cows drink water. I know some of you grew up on or near a farm. How many of you grew up on or near a farm? You are really embarrassed by that wrong answer. So you get a second chance. Spell out loud with me the word uh, roast. R-O-A-S-T. Say roast three times. Roast, roast, roast. What do you put in the toaster? I got some of you twice. You put bread in the toaster. Okay, that's how habituated our thoughts are. Now, here's the most important part of the research. For the average person, what percentage of those thoughts are negative? 
What happy people have learned, what my, my happy hundred, I call them, have learned, is that just because you have a thought doesn't mean that it's true. That was Marcy Shimoff closing out the week. Her website is happyfornoreason.com. The clip source for this one is no longer available, unfortunately. Hope you enjoyed this week's rerun clips. I got brand new stuff for you next week. I'll see you then. Have a great weekend. Peace. <laughs>